The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Cleveland Clinic, ranked number one in the nation in heart care 24 years in a row, according to U.S. News & World Report. For information on the complex cases treated at Cleveland Clinic or to get a second opinion, visit clevelandclinic.org slash heartcare. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, May 1st. In today's news, violent clashes continue in Venezuela. Democrats and President Trump agree they want to spend $2 trillion on infrastructure. And Stephen Moore's nomination to the Federal Reserve appears doomed. But first, the big idea. Bob Mueller complained in a letter to Bill Barr that the four-page letter the Attorney General sent to Congress describing the special counsel's principal conclusions did not, quote, fully capture the context, nature, and substance of his work. The letter and a subsequent 15-minute phone call between the two men reveal the degree to which the longtime colleagues and friends disagreed as they handled the legally and politically fraught task of investigating the president. Mueller's letter made a key request that Barr release the 448-page report's introductions and executive summaries, and it made initial suggested redactions for doing so. The letter likely pressured Barr to do just that. My colleagues Devlin Barrett and Matt Zapatosky broke the news of the letter last night. In it, Mueller wrote, quote, There is now public confusion about critical aspects of the results of our investigation. This threatens to undermine a central purpose for which the department appointed the special counsel, to assure full public confidence in the outcome of the investigations. Release at this time would alleviate the misunderstandings that have arisen and would answer congressional and public questions about the nature and outcome of our investigation. Mueller put this in writing because he was mad. Barr will testify later today before the Senate Judiciary Committee, where he will be questioned at length about his interactions with Mueller and his decision to clear the president of obstruction of justice when the special counsel did not do so. Indeed, Mueller outlined 10 examples of potential obstruction of justice. A chorus of Democrats called overnight for Barr to resign, over his handling of the Mueller report, Senator Chris Van Hollen, the Democrat from Maryland, pointed to what he sees as recent false congressional testimony by Barr. Van Hollen asked Barr if he knew what Mueller people were talking about when they complained about Barr holding back parts of the report. He said he had no idea. That was after Mueller wrote the letter. The top Democrat on the Senate Intelligence Committee, Mark Warner from Virginia, says it's imperative that Mueller come testify on Capitol Hill as soon as possible. Democratic presidential candidate Julian Castro says Barr should face an impeachment inquiry if he doesn't resign immediately. Meanwhile, the New York Attorney General is ramping up her investigation into allegations that managers at the Trump National Golf Club in Westchester, New York, pressured undocumented workers to work extra hours without pay. My colleagues Josh Partlow and Dave Farenthal talked with several immigrants who say, on the record, that they were exploited for years. Their bosses at the Trump Country Club like to call it side work. On some nights, 
After the club's restaurant closed at Trump's course, the head waiter, Jose Gabriel Juarez, an undocumented immigrant from Mexico, was told to clock out. He pressed his index finger onto a scanner and typed his personal code. But he says they told him he couldn't go home. Instead, on orders from his boss, as Juarez says he would stay on sometimes past midnight, all off the clock, all without being paid. If true, that's the very definition of exploitation. In related news, a federal judge ruled yesterday that the emoluments lawsuit brought by congressional Democrats against Trump for taking foreign money at his D.C. hotel can proceed. The decision in Washington from U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan adopts a broad definition of the anti-corruption provision of the Constitution and sets the stage for Democratic lawmakers to begin seeking information from the Trump Organization in discovery. In a 48-page opinion, Judge Sullivan refused the request of the president's legal team to dismiss the case and rejected Trump's narrow definition of emoluments, finding it, quote, unpersuasive and inconsistent. The case could end up before the Supreme Court. Meanwhile, House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff, the Democrat from California, made a criminal referral to the Justice Department for Trump ally Eric Prince, who he alleges made a series of false statements to Congress while under oath. Schiff describes six alleged instances in which Prince misled the panel about his January 2017 meeting in the Seychelles Islands to set up a back channel with a Russian banker tied to the Kremlin and how much the Trump transition knew about it at the time. Democratic lawmakers have long suspected that Prince lied to them during his November 2017 testimony before the Intel Committee. He described his meeting at the time with Russian financier Kirill Dmitriev as a chance encounter instead of one organized at the behest of the incoming administration. Their suspicions hardened after they read Mueller's depiction of the meeting, which differed in several key aspects from Prince's sworn testimony. Also on the Hill, a proposal to begin fining Trump administration officials who ignore subpoenas is picking up steam among senior House Democrats. During a private meeting with the centrist New Democrat Coalition yesterday, Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler from New York and Schiff suggested fines for Trump officials who ignore compulsory measures. Oversight Committee Chairman Elijah Cummings, the Democrat from Maryland, told reporters separately that he is not ruling out trying to jail some Trump officials if they continue to ignore subpoenas. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this May Day. Number one, violent clashes erupted across Venezuela on Tuesday after opposition leader Juan Guaido launched what he described as a military-backed challenge to President Nicolas Maduro summoning thousands of people to the streets to demonstrate against the socialist leader. It was a high-risk gamble for Guaido, the leader of the National Assembly, who declared himself interim president of Venezuela in January. And by last night, it was unclear whether it would succeed. A 25-year-old man died and dozens of people were injured by rubber bullets, tear gas, and live ammunition in melees across Venezuela. That's according to local observers and hospital officials. The death happened when a man was shot in the chest during a protest in the interior state of Aragua. An armored vehicle ran into a cluster of Guaido supporters. A group of hooded men in a pro-government militia, the feared colectivos, fired live ammo into a crowd of protesters. 
and the defense minister said a colonel loyal to Maduro was shot in the neck, but the extent of his injuries are unclear. Meanwhile, the president, Trump, accused Cuban troops and militia of conducting military operations inside the country to cause death and destruction. If the alleged activities don't immediately stop, Trump tweeted last night, his administration will impose on Cuba a, quote, full and complete embargo together with the highest level sanctions. Some Republican senators are calling for U.S. military intervention. Number two, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer emerged from a private meeting with Trump yesterday at the White House saying that the president embraced their proposal to invest $2 trillion in infrastructure. Back on Capitol Hill, however, Trump's fellow Republicans cast a skeptical note, questioning how any infrastructure program would be financed. Many ruled out the idea favored by Democrats, which is rolling back the 2017 Republican tax cuts for corporations and wealthy Americans. Mitch McConnell calls it a non-starter. Unlike other previous bull sessions with congressional Democrats, Trump did not invite the media, even briefly, to observe the meeting. Lawmakers credited that decision with preserving the civil tone. But it also meant that Trump's zeal for an infrastructure deal was only indirectly shared with the public by Democrats. Now, chances are, understanding how Washington works, this deal will collapse well before the next meeting of the same group, which was tentatively scheduled for three weeks from now. But the meeting really did serve as the latest illustration of how differently Trump acts around Pelosi and Schumer, depending on the optics. Give him a closed room with no TV cameras, without conservative handlers, and Trump turns into the wheeler dealer of the Manhattan real estate world. But if Trump ushers the top Democrats into a meeting with the press corps on hand and people like Mick Mulvaney, his chief of staff, who was speaking at a conference in Los Angeles yesterday, he turns into the blunt talking reality TV star who became famous for his catchphrase, you're fired. Number three, Stephen Moore's nomination to the Federal Reserve Board appears doomed after several GOP senators went public to criticize his incendiary writings about women. At least seven GOP senators are now on the record, taking issue with Moore's provocative past columns and statements that have come to light since Trump announced he wanted to pick him in March. Senator Joni Ernst, the Republican from Iowa who's up for re-election next year, said she's very unlikely to vote for Moore and publicly asked Trump to yank his nomination. Moore's controversial writings about women date back as far as 1994, when he mocked the Violence Against Women Act. More recently, he's wondered aloud whether women would concern themselves about gender parity in pay once they start out-earning men. And he suggested that women shouldn't be allowed to curse in public or participate in March Madness. During a TV interview yesterday, Moore explained that he believes the biggest problem, his words, the biggest problem facing the U.S. economy right now is that the gender pay gap is closing. He said the relative decline in male earnings compared to women is hurting families, especially in the African-American community. Really, that's what the guy the president wants to put on the Fed thinks the economy's biggest problem is. During the same interview, he was asked about a joke he made on video after the 2016 election. Moore said that Trump was evicting a black family from public housing. It was a reference to the Obamas leaving the White House. He explained yesterday, quote, that is a joke I always made. Then he added that he shouldn't have made it. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, May 1st. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.